Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Hi, everyone. I'm Julia Bowles, the Grassroots and Advocacy Manager at NPF, and I'm excited to be back on SoundBites today. I'm joined by Kristen Stickler, who is the State Government Relations Manager, and we are going to dive into questions about treatment costs, copay assistance, and what happens when that assistance doesn't count. Thanks, Julia. I'm excited to be on SoundBites to talk about a new public policy issue that is crabbing up at the state and federal level. These are called copay accumulator adjustment programs. Now, this can be a bit of a tricky policy area, but we want you to stick with us as we're going to break it down step by step and help you learn if this new insurance trend could be impacting you. So to help break down this issue, we wanted to start off by sharing a story about an NPF volunteer who I was just talking to recently. And for the sake of today, we're gonna be calling her Kelly. Kelly has been living with psoriasis for years and about five years ago, found a biologic that has been working perfectly for her. And because the out-of-pocket costs were a little bit high, Kelly also found some copay assistance that can help her afford the treatment. So for a little bit of context there, her medication costs $6,000 a month and under her insurance, she owes the full cost of her drug until she meets her deductible. And and after that, she starts paying a percent of the cost. But for those first few months when she's using copay assistance, she pays $25 and then the assistance helps her pay for the rest of her treatment. Julia, could you explain to the listeners how Kelly got access to this copay assistance that's helping her afford her high out-of-pocket costs? That's a great question. And the answer for folks listening, I'm sure has been different, but Copay assistance is kind of a a big umbrella of financial assistance that you can get access to or learn about by talking with your doctor or your pharmacist, just looking up available assistance online. It kind of depends on your insurance plan and then also the type of treatment you're taking. And a lot of times when you start the journey of Googling, you'll see that a lot of manufacturers of treatments do provide copay assistance. But copay assistance can also come from a nonprofit or somebody helping you pay for your treatment. Maybe it's your neighbor or your brother-in-law. There are other possibilities besides manufacturer assistance as well. Right, exactly. And I think of it as sort of a big category of assistance. We've also seen folks set up GoFundMes. So there's really a big range of what financial assistance can entail. But for the example of Kelly's situation, she was getting assistance from the manufacturer of her specific treatment. And this is something that she'd been doing over the past few years since she started taking this biologic. And this year, as it does every year, her insurance renewed. She has the same insurance, but some things change year over year and everything seemed to be normal. But in March, Kelly got a call from the pharmacy saying that in order to take home her prescription that month, she owed $3,000. And of course, she was really confused by this and asked, what about the copay assistance? Haven't I already met my deductible because it's been a few months and just sort of given what she owed in January and February between her and the copay assistance, it's never happened before that she's owed this much in March. And the pharmacist went on to answer her questions and tell her that her copay assistance had actually run out 
And only the money that she had personally paid was credited towards her deductible. So only the $25 in January and the $25 in February were counted. And now she used the rest of her copay assistance in March and what was left on the remaining balance was $3,000 for her biologic. So Julia, I wanna make sure that I understand this. The copay assistance was counting towards helping her pay for her medication in January and February, but when it came to March, all that money had run out. In previous years, her insurance company would have said that those dollars would have counted towards her deductible, but something changed with her insurance company for this plan year, and then all of the sudden, only the dollars that she contributed, so it was $50, had only been attributed to her deductible. And then for her to take her biologic home in March, she was going to have to pay $3,000. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. From past years, it had been counting. And this year, she was able to use the copay assistance, but it wasn't actually counted towards her deductible, which is why she got this big sticker shock in March. Hmm. Yeah, so obviously from there, she was shocked because this was such a big change from past years. And her pharmacist on the phone was asking her, do you want to pay this $3,000 right now? Or do you want to not pick up your treatment? And of course, neither of those are easy decisions. And so in the course of that conversation, she told the pharmacist she'd have to call her back because she didn't know if she could pay the $3,000 right away. Eventually, she was able to figure something out and put the cost in March on her credit card. But when she was telling me this story, she kind of talked about all the things that meant she was worried that if she were to have something on her car that she needed to fix, some other unexpected costs come up that this would really be a huge problem and put in jeopardy her ability to keep getting her treatment. Julia, I know that if this were to happen to me, it would be a huge impact on my family budget. In the end, for Kelly, how much is she going to pay or has she already paid this year so that she could take home her biologic each month? How much of her out-of-pocket costs is she now going to have to pay because her assistance is no longer counting? Yeah, so her out-of-pocket maximum for the year is $8,000. So because none of the copay assistance dollars could help her make a dent in that $8,000, it means that by the time she reached the out-of-pocket maximum, she will have personally paid the full $8,000. And in terms of timing, it's looking like she'll probably be hitting that sometime in June. So I, I haven't talked with her yet about hitting the whole 8000 but I'm sure it's in the 7000 range right now, which is causing a lot of challenges in other parts of her budget. Wow. So unfortunately, Kelly's story we know is becoming more common for many of our patients and this is because the insurance companies are now implementing programs called copay accumulator adjustment programs. So now that we have a real story to guide our discussion, we're going to break down what's happening to Kelly and answer questions like what is copay assistance? What are these copay accumulator adjustment programs? How are we seeing these programs impact people with psoriatic disease? And what can you do about it? So first, let's start off by talking about copay assistance, because that is a word that can have a lot of different meanings. That is very true, Julia. And this can be very confusing, having all the different meanings for what people believe is copay assistance. Right. And part of that confusion is that copay assistance is sometimes called a lot of different things. We hear copay cards, coupons, voucher programs, or discounts. These are all words that we hear legislators throw around when we're talking about copay assistance. And these terms don't always mean the same thing. 
So Kristen, can you help us break down what we mean when we talk about copay assistance? Copay assistance is real money. It's real money that is helping patients afford their out-of-pocket costs, especially for high-cost drugs. These programs can come from nonprofit charities, as we said before, or can even come from manufacturers. And copay assistance could even come from your brother, your neighbor down the street, or even a GoFundMe page. Copay assistance programs are different from discount programs. Discount programs like the GoodRx program offer a discount on how much the drug costs, so a 15 or 20% off of a drug, while copay assistance is real money. Right, and these copay assistance programs are really important for our community. In a 2020 NPF survey, 80% of people with psoriatic disease reported that they use copay assistance to afford their biologic. So that really underscores how important copay assistance is to our patient community and how important it is that their copay assistance is counting towards their out-of-pocket costs. So over the past few years, we have started hearing about insurance companies changing how copay assistance is being accumulated. In other words, the copay assistance has stopped counting. Right. So the assistance can still be used, but it's not helping people like Kelly with their deductibles in the way that it used to. And it's really concerning that we're seeing a trend in an increase of these copay accumulator adjustment programs popping up all over the country. In fact, a recent AIDS Institute study showed all 50 states have at least one individual marketplace plan that includes a copay accumulator adjustment program. Yeah, and from our same NPF survey of people with psoriatic disease, one in 10 already reported experiencing a copay accumulator adjustment program in 2020. So we really know that this is a problem for our patient community. Now that we have all of this information, let's talk about what you can do about copay accumulator adjustment programs. And of course, as the advocacy team, our go-to answer is always gonna be become an advocate. But before we go down that road, I wanted to take a second and talk about what individual listeners can do if they use copay assistance or if they're worried about a copay accumulator adjustment program. And the easiest answer is that the NPF's Patient Navigation Center has a free resource that further breaks down how copay assistance works and these copay accumulator adjustment programs, which is linked in the podcast notes. So that resource is a great starting place to better understand these programs and, and how they might impact you. And other steps that you as an individual could take are to look through your health plan's documents or just to call your health plan and figure out whether copay assistance would be counted towards your deductible and out-of-pocket maximum. But I hope as a starting point, you will reach out to the Patient Navigation Center for this resource, which again is linked in the podcast notes. This is a great resource, and we at the NPF have put it together so that you can better understand how copay accumulators work and how they might be impacting you. But if you're ready to take the next step, we are excited to get you involved in NPF's advocacy work to ban copay accumulator adjustment programs. And there's been a ton of activity on the advocacy work for this issue um, at the state and federal level, and especially at the state level in this past year. So Kristen, can you start us off by talking about how NPF engages on this issue and, and what we've been seeing in the states this year? Well, first off, we are part of a national coalition to ensure that all copays count. This is a broad coalition of patient and provider advocates that are working at the state and federal level. But as the 
State Government Relations Manager, I am excited to talk about these successes that we've had at the state level. So prior to 2021, we saw that five states had already passed legislation to protect patients from these types of programs. These five states included Arizona, Illinois, Georgia, Virginia, and West Virginia. As we started the 2021 session, even during a pandemic, we have seen over two dozen states introduce legislation to ban copay accumulator adjustment programs. And we've already seen successes in five states. That includes Kentucky, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Tennessee, and most recently, Connecticut. And we're still anticipating a few more wins this session. Yeah, there's been so much great momentum at the state level to get 10 and counting states to protect patients from copay accumulator adjustment programs. And there's also opportunities to address this growing problem at the federal level. MPF has weighed in on this issue through the rulemaking process, and there's also a possibility for future legislation. What has really been tipping the scales in states that have already passed copay accumulator adjustment bans is hearing from patients who have been personally impacted by these types of programs or who use copay assistance. We have had patients testify at hearings, submit letters to the editor, and email their lawmakers, which I believe is truly making a difference in why we're able to get these bills passed in so many states this session. Yeah, Kristen, like you said, hearing from patients really does make the difference and helps shed light on how these copay accumulator adjustment programs impact patients' ability to afford their treatment. And we've literally seen it change how lawmakers vote on a bill. In fact, in Oklahoma, we had a patient advocate who was currently experiencing a copay accumulator adjustment program. We worked with her to get a letter to the editor submitted, and she was published. In that process of getting all of that information out to lawmakers, she found out that her own legislator was going to vote against the bill. She reached out to that legislator, sent him an email, and explained how this legislation would directly impact her and her ability to afford her medication. After talking with her and understanding her process of what this meant to her, she was able to convince him to change his vote. And Oklahoma was one of the states that have banned copay accumulator adjustment programs this session. That story is such a great example to really connect how going from your personal patient story can literally be the difference between a bill becoming law or not. So really highlighting how important patient stories are to this effort. And because health plans are all different, we really need to hear from the community to know how these programs are working and also how they're changing over time. In terms of the legislative process, Kristen and I can explain the policy issue to lawmakers all day, but it's really hearing personal stories that helps it click for them and helps them understand why it's so important that all copays need to count. Lawmakers need to hear from their constituents. So please reach out to the advocacy team and we can help you share your story. We make it really easy. You don't have to have any previous experience. Like Kristen mentioned in that example, we help you take your personal story and turn it into a letter or an email or something that can be published. So really, all you have to start with is a willingness to want to get involved. And if that describes you, you can reach out to us by emailing the advocacy team at action at psoriasis.org. We hope this podcast has helped you understand what copay assistance is, how copay accumulator adjustment programs are impacting you, and how you can get involved with NPF's advocacy efforts to ensure all copays count. To learn more, please check out the free Patient Navigation Center resource at psoriasis.org 
slash copay-accumulator, also linked in the podcast notes. And to get in touch with the NPF advocacy team, you can email us at action at psoriasis.org. The NPF advocacy team continues to work at the state and federal level, and we're excited to get you involved in advocating for our patient community. We hope to hear from you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Ghana, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.